Welcome to episode 57 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Okay, welcome back to another episode. Um, I have been thinking this summer about, you know, getting ready for the next school year. And a lot of people are probably deciding where they're going to be at. And uh, one of the things that you might need to look at if you're planning on doing teletherapy, at least still right now, we're hoping this will go away soon, (laughs) is having to cross license to other places. So I am currently licensed in Utah, California, and Idaho. And um, it's... Sometimes I get lucky and my years don't fall all in the same time, but this year I had to renew all three (laughs) of those licenses Mm -hmm. at the same time. So um, some tips if you are looking at doing that also. The first one I would say is look at a company that you're going to work for before you go ahead and just like jump in and get a license. Because a lot of the times the company that you're going to work for, if you are working for a company, is going to tell you where they have a need in and look into this. But there's some of them that will actually give you some type of bonus or reimbursement for cross-licensing. So then you're not going out, paying the money to get a bunch of different licenses, not knowing if you will work in those areas or not. So that would be one of my tips is contact a company first and and see what they require. Um, And then looking into the requirements, there's some states that are easier than others. There are a lot that will just kind of, if you're ASHA certified, they're good. And they will take um, that as a state certification too. And then with renewals too, some of them have different requirements too. California has been one of the more difficult ones that I've seen in that they have some requirements about what level of trainings you have to have. It can't be all like um, introductory level trainings. And then I think they may have removed this, but they did have a requirement that only a certain number of hours could be um, online trainings. So they did it. They were not liking, I think everyone just doing, you know, slp.com and some of those and doing them all online. They wanted some of those to be, I think they could be um, online, but they had to be like not asynchronous. It had to be that like you were in the training. So that's um, a requirement that hopefully they are reconsidering given the <laughs> the last year that we've had. Um, so looking at some of those different things and I, the, and then you also have to look if there's requirements in the schools too, but you're, if you're working through a company, they can walk you through with that. Um, the state of California actually requires me to have a cleared tuberculosis test to work virtually in their schools. Mm. So I'm still hoping that one of these days they'll realize that that's ridiculous. Mm. And I think it's just one of those blanket statements that they've had and they haven't um, adjusted it for people that will never actually physically set foot in their state, but still work in their schools. Right. So it's a lot to go through, but don't let it keep you from teletherapy because it was one of the things that I was most worried about jumping into this. And if you have like a company to walk you through it, or even like someone that you know, that has done it before, it's really, it really is not that bad. 
So don't let it scare you away from teletherapy. So you can manage the process being licensed in more than one state. Yeah. It just takes some work, but you can, it can be done. Yeah. Yep. And I, I promise I don't try to drop her name every session, but, or every episode, but Stacy Krause, I'm going to say it again. She has had, um, I've seen her cause she's licensed in multiple States and she has this nice little, uh, spread the sheet that she's done so she can keep track of each of her different CEUs for the different States. Um, I'm kind of lazy and I just pay Asha to do that for me, but it is nice to even just even writing it down. So, you know, that you've hit it and, you know, gotten the right CEUs in the right window of time for the different States too. That can be helpful. Right. Right. Very good. Excellent. Excellent. Well, unfortunately I'm, I'm, or or fortunately, I'm not smart enough to be licensed in more than, more than one state. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I'm so I'm only licensed in Ohio. But you know, there's we do have families that come over from from Pennsylvania since we were in Northeast Ohio. Um, but unfortunately, I just we can't do telepractice with them because I I haven't uh, taken that step yet to become licensed in Pennsylvania, and I may do that, but not right now. To so, you know. We don't have enough families that sort of warrant that. Yeah. But if if that increases, then certainly think about doing that for sure. We also get, you know, occasionally some families from West Virginia that are sort of on the border of um, Ohio as well. And so that it may be worthwhile eventually doing both of those states. So it's nice to know it is manageable if I I take that step. Yeah. It depends on the state. I know that there's some that are more difficult, but I mean, it was helpful for me too, because I am physically close to Idaho and not have to worry about, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, even if I had people from just over the border that wanted to do teletherapy or even, you know, maybe some therapy in their home that I was like, oh yeah, this works. I can do that. I don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. And, and when you go to St. George, maybe Nevada might be. Right. I might need to yeah. branch out Arizona. Who knows? Nevada. Arizona, Nevada, you mean the whole four corners area yep. down there. Yep. Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> Great. So we have an yeah. old friend for of both of ours on the podcast today. Yeah. So we're welcoming uh Jane Fenton to give us lots of practical advice for doing teletherapy. So we are happy to have her today. Hi, it's Todd Houston. I just wanted to reach out to you, our really talented, wonderful listeners that we have, and just ask you if you want to join us. Yes. Would you like to be a content creator for the 3C Digital Media Network? We need you. We need content creators to come and join us. So if you have a blog, a webinar, a course, or maybe even a podcast that you'd like to do, we would love to speak with you. So please, if you have some ideas, email me at Todd, T-O-D-D, at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I'll reach out, and we can 
have a conversation. And so hopefully we could have you develop whatever you'd like to develop and work with us. So send me an email at todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com and we'll get started. Now, let's get back to the interview. Okay, Jane, welcome to the podcast. Um, Tell us some of your background and how you got into teletherapy and speech therapy in general. Okay. Well, I'm a speech language pathologist and I have been one since 2011. So for about 10 years, um, I went to Utah State University. That's where I met actually the two of you. Um, And I guess I actually met you in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how I got into speech therapy, I actually, when I was little, could not say my R's, but my parents had me evaluated for speech and they wouldn't take me. They said I had enough of it that I would get it. And eventually I did. Um, But fast forward about 15 years and I was at USU thinking, what do I need to do for my major? Because I have to declare one. And I literally (laughs) went down the list of majors and I had taken some nursing prereqs and social work prereqs. And I thought, oh, medical would be good. Education could be good. Business could be good. You know, I was just exploring. And I came to speech language pathology on the list of majors at USU. And I was like, oh, that's it. That's what I should do. I almost needed speech as a kid. And everyone said I was cute when I couldn't say my R's, um, like the stereotypical speech child. (laughs) And so I just thought, oh, I'll try speech pathology. Um, I had wanted to be an editor actually at one point, but I thought that wasn't a great job market. And so speech also gave me the opportunity to be like a live in your face editor (laughs) with children. (laughs) So anyway, it worked out and here I am. Um, As far as teletherapy, when I had my second child, so my daughter about six years ago, actually, I decided to kind of jump into that. Um, and I just worked part-time, but I contracted for a little online school and I did maybe about 15 hours a week of teletherapy. And so that's kind of how I jumped into it then. And since then I've just kind of dabbled in it a little bit, obviously with COVID I did more, but (laughs) that's where I went. (laughs) And so talk about, so I noticed you have a, a private practice now. Yes. So I contract, so I'm self-employed with that. Um, And then I also see some private kids. Right now I have my own little children, so I don't see a ton of private kids. Um, The most I've ever seen on my own is about 12. So, um, but I've just been seeing three over the past year, especially with COVID, we homeschooled for a bit. Um, And they're all online and they are preschool to kindergarten age for those kids. Um, And then I've also been seeing some high schoolers online with contracting um, during COVID. So that's been like kind of my last year. So all online, including supervising a CF, mostly online, (laughs) because ASHA actually allowed it. (laughs) So how did that process go? How did you like that? Um, With the CF? With a CF, yeah. It was pretty good. We'd met in person and I went to her school at the beginning of the year and then kind of in Utah, especially when our coronavirus numbers were pretty high, we kind of just mostly stuck to online and she was seeing kids in online and in person um, at her school. So I would jump into sessions online that she was doing or she would just set up her laptop and we'd do Zoom and I would watch her in person with whatever kids she was in person with. Um, And then... Once people started 
getting vaccinated and the numbers started going down, I went back in person several times. So, but it actually worked out really well. Um, Ashton normally doesn't allow that, but because of COVID, mm. they made exceptions. <laughs> right, right. And so you made it work. So that's we great. made it work. We did. <laughs> she's she's submitted all of her paperwork. So <laughs> it, she, it, yeah, she's going to be true. official. Yes. <laughs> That's something I wish so much that I had had during my own CS because I was kind of on my own in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina and had some people that had to travel like, you know, one or two hours to me to come supervise me. So that's something that I wish I I know existed when I was. Yeah, I don't know if they've changed the CF supervision rules since we would have done ours. Um. But yeah, when I was being supervised, I feel like someone came every once in a while for like an hour and observed me, you know, and right. now that wouldn't really cut it. <laughs> so right. I don't know if yeah. they, if they yeah. changed it since that time or what, but yeah, online was actually nice too, because I could just, she could say, oh, I have this one kiddo I want you to watch, watch me with. And then I could get on and watch right. her, you know? So mm-hmm. that was kind of nice. <laughs> sure. So uh, t- go, let's back up and talk about your transition to, to telepractice itself. What was, what was your first telepractice experience? So I contracted with a school. It was actually with um, a contract agency, I guess. It was very small, though, run by just a fellow SLP. Um, I contracted and worked with UTVA, kids that went to Utah Virtual Academy. Um, and my first, I guess the first platform I used was Blackboard, which... Mm-hmm. I liked it had its pros and cons for sure. Um, and then I also used zoom here and there, especially if we kind of overlapped with sessions, you kind of have an assigned classroom and blackboard, mm-hmm. um, and VC. And I saw kids from kindergarten through high school. Um, and a lot of them, because it was an online school, it wasn't just straight articulation. Like I am kind of now, I guess. Um, but we did a lot of language stuff. So that was kind of a deep dive mm-hmm. <laughs> to tell therapy. Um, and that was about six years ago, there were decent resources. Um, but it's improved a lot since then too, you know, so sometimes, and I still do it. I'll use all the things on my shelf, you know, just hold them up to the camera or I'll use my second camera and use that, Mm -hmm. or we'll, um, we'll use our online resources. And I think a mix for a lot of my kids, especially if they're younger, works out pretty well. (laughs) So do you have any go-to resources and things that you've done a lot of? Yes. Let's see. So I use my iPad a lot. That's kind of a recent thing for me. I kind of shied away from iPads, especially in in in-person when I was doing that. So it wasn't really a natural thing for me to use it first online either. (laughs) Um, But when in Zoom, you know, you can share your iPad to the screen. Yeah. So, um, so I'll use my little B speech app a lot just for articulation. And then um, I use Word Vault. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's got a ton of resources in it. So even if I'm not necessarily showing the kids my screen, I have that resource for me. Um, it's got articulation, it's got um, phonological processes, it's got tons of language resources. So I use that a lot. Um, boom cards are all the rage. <laughs> um, I use a lot of boom cards. Do you specifically want me to tell you some that I use? Sure. Yeah. Or, okay. <laughs> so um, there are some by Speechy Pals that mm-hmm. I use. There's Save, Feed, and Move. 
Um, especially my little kids, they like that we're like feeding a tiger different things and seeing what it likes to eat. And they're all articulation targets. Um, Dave Sindri, you know, troll in a bowl. Those are always a hit. Um, for some of my older kids, there's someone called a perfect blend and they make articulation task cards. Um, I will use those with younger kids too, but they're not as much of a built-in game, you know? Mm -hmm. So for like older elementary or something, we use those. Um, a perfect blend also has a fun one that's prepositional locations. So I use that for following directions. It says, put whatever on whatever, like put the girl in the boat. And so they have to do that direction. That's um, when that's a challenging goal to work on through teletherapy. It is. Rough. <laughs> and I've had, you know, I had a lot of kids get sent home with Chromebooks and you can't screen share with them. Can't they share. can't share mouse control with those. So yes. I always like hearing yeah. creative ways people have done that because it's rough. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. I like, I'm like, okay, do we really need this goal? Can we address it in a different way? Cause it's really hard to work on. Yes. What else can I do? Um, no, that is a hard one with Chromebooks. We did come across that issue, um, especially when COVID started. Yeah. I was the only one in our little contract company that had done online therapy before. And we had two SLPs that I kind of set up within our company to work in some of our schools and mm -hmm. do online therapy, like one day a week for those schools. Um, so anyway, when COVID started, I was suddenly like training <laughs> 20 SLPs and some random teachers on Zoom, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> one of our schools in particular sent Chromebooks home with every child. So that did make it hard for right. that school. I mean, it was good. They had the resource, but it was harder. So some of my kids will use their bodies, you know, put your hand behind your head or whatever it is. Um, we've made Play-Doh if they have Play-Doh at their house, you know, or sometimes, their parents can print off some sheet and they're coloring on it and then they can show me that page that they've worked on and follow directions with. But yes, that is tricky. <laughs> um, yeah. I also use boom cards just for random reinforcers. So if we have kind of a, what some might call boring session where we are literally just like going down word lists or looking at pictures, you know, we'll go back to boom cards and do like I spy or build Mr. Potato head or, um, there's the ultimate build it boom cards by Anna D and that one just has a ton of different stuff. You can build a fish tank and all these different things, which that one's also fun for following directions. But anyway, so yeah, I use boom cards a lot. <laughs> um, do you use boom cards a lot, Kim? I, well, I'm new to them. I didn't use okay. them before this year, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I had like, you know, found some other resources and had a platform that had some built-in things, mm -hmm. but I, yeah, I've gotten into them this year and I really, I get excited with them. And I like too, that you can do the things where you like send home that fast pin link yeah. and have it, and you can send it home for carryover also. So a lot of my, um, my private students have liked that, that their parents have liked that too, to get that. Resource. Yeah. That's made homework super easy. I'm like, right. okay, I will send you this. Right. <laughs> this is right. what you can work on. Um, yeah. I mentioned some of the physical things where I'll use some of my resources um, for my younger kids, especially if they're a little bit hyper, you know, it's hard to kind of sit at a computer for 30 minutes or whatever it is. Um, I've brought out my little miniature items and I'll have my second camera on like a dollhouse next to me or something, you know, and they mm -hmm. tell me where to put these miniature items. So maybe the miniature items are articulation targets. And then we're just randomly, they're giving me directions really <laughs> for where to put things, but they get to work on prepositions and things like that. Um, and 
concepts, you know, all sorts of concepts. Um, we'll race cars, you know, they get to pick the color car and guess which one's going to go fastest, things like that. Um, even pop the pig. That's kind of a boring one for me. I think like, oh, I wonder if they'll like this, but they like that. I'll take out my big Weber book of articulation, put it under my second camera and they guess how many hamburgers this pig is going to eat. And then we put those hamburgers on all the little pictures, you know, and then we feed the pig and see if they got it right or not. So anyway, I just thought with that one, especially when COVID started, there were kids that I would not normally see online, you know, um, that were now online. And I thought, well, they like, like Ryan on YouTube, they love watching other children play on YouTube. So mm-hmm. maybe they'll like watching me play. That is a good point. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> but it is interactive, at least, you know, they're, they're guiding me in the play. But um, yeah, and if they have something at their house to match, like I mentioned, the Play-Doh, we'll do that. Um, and I know some people are way more on top of it than I am, and they'll send things to them, you know, to use. But I didn't, I didn't get to that point. Things were a little crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I have some other just things I've collected over the year, you know, from like peachy speechy and Jenna Rayburn, she's really well known, um, that aren't interactive so much, but we'll use them and like zoom can help them be, you know, we're drawing on them Mm. or whatever it is. So it makes them a little more interactive. The peachy speechy articulation videos have been huge for me online to oh, yeah. work on, you know, that and getting that initial placement and for, um, especially yes. R those have been, and, and CH too, I've used it for that too. They've been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Those are awesome. I, um, I have the potato head builder from peachy speechy, which is just kind of like a drill and kill, you know, it gives you a word and you ideally would be having like a dot marker, but on Zoom, you're just feeling it, filling it in. Um, and then once you've said that word 10 times, you get to put this part on the potato head, mm-hmm. you know? So we're using our boom cards and kind of going back and forth between that. Nice. Um, but that's a fun one for kids too. So, and some of the books I bought, like when I very first started speech that came with a CD, you know, and I thought, what do I need this CD for? Well, now that's been on my computer for years and I've transferred it over to new systems and whatever. And now I'm using it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I like, I do like having like, I, I think we've all used boom cards at this point and things like that. So I like having some specific ideas of go find this one. So, yeah. Oh, um, one other one that I used for a bit and then I kind of took a break was the ultimate SLP. Um, have you ever heard of her Mm -hmm. and her website? Yeah. So I used that, um, I took my break, but I came back. So I substituted online for a friend that was just preschoolers all day. (laughs) Um, And I, so I used that with them and that was a big hit. So I'm into that again and they've added more things and you can save like your favorite tasks and games in there. So do you feel Um, like it's mostly good for younger kids or what's, what do you feel like is the age range on there for people? So that site has a ton of stuff. I've used it with my high schoolers and I've used it with the younger kids. So there are definitely games that if I brought up and tried to play with my high schoolers, they would be like, Miss Jane, what are you doing? You know, (laughs) this is not what we want to do. I don't want to feed that dinosaur. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) the younger kids love it. And I had one kiddo in particular when I first rejoined that we fed a bunny actually. And, um, I thought, oh, we'll do this two or three times. Well, no, we did it like 20 times, you know, that's all he wanted to do. And the next time that's what he wanted to do again. So I thought, okay, we'll just feed this bunny. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, she also has decks. So some of the activities will say all decks are included and it will have language goals. It will have um, the articulation, including more like phonological processes approaches um, and pragmatics. It just has everything and you can click on what you want to work on and it'll pull that deck up for your game. Or it's not even a game. It's just flashcards, you know, with good pictures to create a scene for you to talk about. So that one I have found to be really useful. Sometimes you do have to search a little bit, but once you find something, you can save it to your list and then it's there. So. Great. <laughs> and she does do two a week free trial if you were trying to get in there <laughs> and see what's in there. <laughs> it, is, it is a paid subscription site, right? It is, yes. And so that's one of the things kind of, I don't know. I felt like I had used a lot of things for a bit. And then at least with the kids I was seeing, I thought, well, let's do something else for a little bit, you know? So I took a break from it. Um, but when I went back and I knew she already had good stuff, but when I went back, there was even more. So I thought, okay, we'll do this again, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so right now I'm on. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea too. Cause, um, I'm branching out more this next year and not going through a contract company. So mm -hmm. um, there's, and there's some contract companies that they do have like a lot of built-in resources. So if right. you're thinking about going with a contract company, look at what resources they have first, but in going out on your own more and just having basically zoom as your resource, right. I think it's good to know some of those things where you can get some more um, resources and have that built in without having to go in and find like individual things on different sites. So that's a good for one. sure. For sure. Yeah. And um, have you heard of toytheater.com? Yes. Yes. So I figured you've probably <laughs> heard of it, but <laughs> that one's kind of a fun, more reinforcer is what right. I use it for, but I feel like they're still thinking, you know, right. <laughs> and they're <laughs> having to do something, even if it's a math for a minute there, but they like those games. Um, I also have subscribed to education.com at times. And, um, I did use that when we homeschooled with my kids, it wasn't our main curriculum, but it was just kind of a fun Friday thing that they got to play with. And so I'll use those games every once in a while as well. Um, and those are big hits. You get to like tear down buildings by recognizing numbers and stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> the kids like that, but that's not necessarily one that I recommend for everything, but they do have a ton of resources for worksheets and things like that as well. Um, and even one of my high schoolers that was just working on basic vocabulary really enjoyed some of those games that are in there. So, and some are free, so it might be worth looking at. But. Those are great suggestions. Yeah. I've not thought about education dot com yeah it's a lot of language stuff mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. yeah even like sequencing there are some things in there for that not a ton but enough <laughs> yeah, good suggestions well jane the best part of this interview is is the questions we get to ask <laughs> oh good so, good <laughs> this is a, a part of the interview where we just kind of ask you some random things okay okay should I be um, nervous? You should be very nervous. Yes, okay. you should be very nervous. No. Um, so this is based on the Proust uh, questionnaire, um, famous questionnaire. And so we've adapted it for our guests on the podcast. Okay. And you can answer with one word or as as in-depth or, or not as you want. Okay. Does that make sense? 
I think okay, so. so. Are you are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, what's the most used app on your phone? Facebook. <laughs> this must be related to speech. <laughs> okay, no, it's no. Facebook, sadly, but I've tried nope. to take it off. <laughs> You're addicted. It is, That's what yes. it is. Uh, um, what was the last TV series you streamed? Ooh, we watch Modern Family a lot. So, yeah. Modern Family? Oh, cool. <laughs> Um, who would you like to have dinner with dead or alive? Dead or alive. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. My first thought is just my grandparents because it's nobody, nobody famous, but you know, they're nice. <laughs> so that could be fun. <laughs> that, that could be very fun. Um, let's see. What's your favorite genre of music? Mm, that is a tricky one because I listen to a lot of different music. So I guess I'll go with like classic rock type of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> right no, now I'm point. listening to like Trolls soundtracks, if that gives you any <laughs> clue. <laughs> so uh, a point of order. Uh, Good one. <laughs> because this has come up before. Okay. Depending on your age, what is classic rock to you? Oh gosh, what what decade? <laughs> I would say anywhere from the seventies to nineties. Don't ask me specifics. My husband always makes fun of me because I can't name bands I really like. <laughs> I'll know all the words, but I cannot tell you who sings the song. <laughs> Because for me, it would be the 70s. Okay. But some people say classic rock, and it, they mean the 90s no, or the 2000s. No, like older, older. Yeah, my, I'm the youngest, okay. and I always feel like, like I listened to oldies when I was growing up, too. You know, so a little bit older, not the 2000s. Okay. I always get offended when there's like, they have like Thursday's throwback radio on their radio station here. And I always get offended when I'm like, that is not a throwback. <laughs> that is the songs I mm-hmm. listen to. That my was my favorite song in me. high school. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's not a throwback. <laughs> uh, so what's, uh, what's your favorite food? My favorite food. I'm going to say... Right now, it's chicken tikka masala, which is kind of silly. It's like mm. the most American Indian food that you can eat, the American type of Indian <laughs> food, but I like it. <laughs> Anytime we have yeah. like a birthday recently or an anniversary, you know, we always mm. are like, oh, let's go there. So that's what we've been doing. <laughs> and Logan had those feuding Indian restaurants, right? Yeah. Back in the day. The feud is is over. over. The feud is over. The other one just closed just this week. So the one on Main Street closed closed. or the one at the gas station? Yeah, the one on Main Street closed. The one in the gas station is still open. Okay. (laughs) The one on Main Street closed. But now it is a Himalayan restaurant, which is different. (laughs) Interesting. We'll see how that goes. Himalayan (laughs) restaurant in Logan, Utah. That's that's very interesting. Yep. Yeah. Um, What's uh, the least, no, excuse me, sorry. What's the most exotic or farthest place you've been? Um, Vietnam. Vietnam, yeah. right. Okay, yeah. good, good. 
That was a um, long flight. <laughs> and the layover on the way back was so long that we got to take a tour of Seoul, which I think they do that purposefully. All of them are like, like you get off the plane and it's just like, here, come take this 10 hour tour with us. It's just full of science everywhere. So I think it's a very purposeful long layover. <laughs> but it was fun. It was great. <laughs> um, what's the scariest thing you've ever done? Ooh. Well, I think I've done a lot of things that scared me, even though they maybe shouldn't have scared me. Um, but I did do kind of bungee jumping. It was bungee jumping, but I was like in a harness, not from my feet, you know, so my head was up mm-hmm. when I did this. But I was probably in seventh grade and the guy that was like with me, he didn't jump with me, but he was at the platform, counted a three for me and I wouldn't jump. And then he counted a three for me again. I would not jump. And I said, can you just push me? And he started counting again. He said, yes. And he started counting. He said, but don't count, just push me. (laughs) So that's what he did. I don't know if I could say I did that because he pushed me, but it was kind of scary. (laughs) That is, that is scary. Yeah. Um, What is a pet peeve of yours? Mm, This is probably just because my parents were always trying to teach us table manners, but smacking the food. I I always notice it. I've gotten so much better about it not driving me crazy, you know, but it used to drive me crazy. Now I just notice it. Um, if you didn't choose your current profession, what profession would you like to try? Hmm. Maybe some type of engineering or being an editor. I do edit my sister's newsletter for her company. So I do have that little thing going for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also like problem solving, you know, so yeah. I think maybe something with engineering, but I won't do it because that would take me a very long time. And I'm happy Mm -hmm. in speech. (laughs) You know, my daughter actually asked me the other day, she said, mom, if you weren't a speech, she's, she was, (laughs) (laughs) what would you be? And I was being silly. And I said, oh, I'd be a singer and a dancer. And she said, well, that's embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) I said, well, I guess so. I don't know. The, the truth and honesty of children, right? Yeah. Just kind of bring it down to Yes. She right. wants to work at a pizza place, which I told her everyone has to do at some point, maybe, because I did it too. So but she wouldn't mind running a pizza place. So we'll see what she does. That's cool. <laughs> um, so the last question, which actually does date back to Proust. Um, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Ooh, that's a good one. I've never really thought about. Um, welcome. You did it. Something like that. Is that good? <laughs> that's great. That's great. That's wonderful. <laughs> so the, the scariest thing, uh, our, our, I think our number one answer is most people say having children. <laughs> that was, that ran through my head actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's come up a lot with parents. They say, oh, yeah. the scariest thing, having kids is the scariest thing I've ever done. So scary. <laughs> uh, they do scare me almost every day, but, you know, yeah. Very true. <laughs> well, Jane, how can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out 
or uh, connect with your website? How can you just sort of uh, talk about that? Um, sure. So I don't have an official website at this point. I have put it off just because I've been working mostly part-time since we started having kids, but I do plan on working more full-time eventually. Um, so right now I would say the best place is just, um, Fenton speech therapy at gmail.com. You know, um, I do have a Facebook page that I look at every once in a while, but that, Mm -hmm. that Gmail is probably the best way (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Okay. So Fenton speech therapy at gmail.com. Gmail. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jane, we wish you all the best and everything that you're doing and uh, come back and join us again uh, at some point in the future and give us okay. an update. Okay. Well, thank you. You guys have been great. It's always great for me to catch up with former students and to see what they're doing. And I'm so impressed with all that Jane has done in the 10 or so years since uh, I worked with her. Uh, as a student at Utah State University. If you want to reach out to Jane, it's Fenton Speech Therapy at gmail.com. Shoot her an email. I'm sure she would be in touch. And thank you for joining us on this episode of Telepractice Today. If you don't mind, leave us a five-star review. That helps us to attract new subscribers and to increase our listenership. So that's what we want to do. Make sure more people are able to hear what we're doing. And with that, until next week, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network. 